What's up, podcast, and welcome to another edition of Chasing Kangaroos. This one's a little bit different. This is one I've been excited about for a little while. I've been planning for a little while, and um, it's not your typical episode where I speak to one person and take a deep dive. Uh, I speak to multiple people in this one, and it's a little bit more like a boxing card in that you've got like some tight some fights on the on the undercard and then there's like the big one at the end um which which is awesome um so just to give you some insight i'm going to go straight into this episode there's going to be no golden points because it's my longest episode yet but you can always catch up on the latest news on our instagram facebook and twitter pages so follow those if you're not already for some cool golden points this week but the undercard, I, I don't want to call it the undercard because they're all great interviews, but I, I'm calling these the undercard because they're short interviews compared to the last one. So interview number one you're going to hear is with A.D. Cooney. So he's from the north of England, lives in California, and he's the youth director for California Rugby League. So doing some great things development-wise, you're going to learn all about that. Then next after that, I speak to one of the players from L.A. Mongrel, Matthew Busson, and he's awesome. You're going to love hearing his perspective and, you know, get some insight into what's going on in LA camp before the big California Rugby League match on December 7 between LA and San Fran. The third interview is with San Fran Savage. I call, I call him the, the American Taumalolo. His name is Lungi Lungi Halpiakui, and he's an absolute legend. Um, our interview was sort of cut because... We had a poor Skype connection, so I tried to piece together the interview with him as best as I could because I didn't want to lose him from this episode. He's a great dude and some great insights, so that one might be a little bit shorter, and I apologise if there's any sound quality issues, but that was a great chat as well. And then finally, the main event, the long chat with the founder of California Rugby League, Tom Stevenson. Um, What can I say? Like I've spoken to... A lot of people on this podcast have had some great conversations and this chat with Tom is right up there um, with the best of them. Um, I was a little bit groggy in the beginning because it was, I think, about 4.30am my time. Um, but I'm glad I got up for it because we learned so much about he, some insight into the way he thinks, plans for the future of California, what's going on over there. Um, just, there is just so much gold in that conversation. I could listen to it three or four times in a row. (laughs) So yeah, I'm not expecting you to do that, but I could, it was great. So that's right at the end. Um, finally, uh, there's a little Easter egg right at the end, actually. So after, after the outro, there's a little Easter egg, um, and I'll sort of explain it. So we, I planned this episode months ago. It was going to happen um, a couple of months ago now, and there was a few little bits and pieces recorded for it. But then um, the International Rugby League podcast started for that six-week period, and I decided that during that period I would take some time off chasing kangaroos and focus solely on that. So this Cali episode got pushed back, and a lot of the early recordings um, I, I didn't want to use anymore because so much new was so much new information. So I wanted to sort of start from scratch. But there is one piece of audio that I kept from that original episode and it's a chat, or not a chat, it's actually a friend of the podcast who many of you will will know and recognise the voice 
and uh, he, little clue, he's had a couple of whiskeys by this point, and he's going through some of the players and stats from some of the players uh, from California and San Francisco. So it's really funny. Oh, I found it funny. I hope you do as well. But I've kept that as an Easter egg for right at the end after after the um, the outro music. So, guys, um, like I said, it's a huge episode. I don't want to forget um, our, our sponsors, uh, Mascord Browns, so mascordbrowns.com and mascordbrowns.com.au. It's almost Christmas time, guys, so kangaroo court. You know it by now. It's your your chance for 10% off uh, all your gear, except for Wigan Warriors gear, at mascordbrowns.com and .com.au. So just use that discount code at checkout. Guys, let's get straight into it. It's four interviews. We're starting with 80. We're moving on to Matthew, then Lungy Lungy, then Tom at the end, and then a little Easter egg right at the end. Guys, I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. I'm Michael Carboni. This is episode 42 of the Chasing Kangaroos podcast. You're listening to Chasing Kangaroos, the rugby league podcast for fans who are passionate about seeing the game played in more places. So I'm speaking to A.D. Cooney. He's uh, the Youth Director of California Rugby League, and and that job title, mate, really excites me because as far as I'm aware, there's never been anything like it over in the States. Tell me how you how it all came about and, and how an, an Englishman like yourself has, has found his way over to California. Sure. Well, I'll, I'll kind of start with my humble roots and, and go back to kind of what brought us here in the first place. Um, uh, and before that, kind of what I used to do rugby back in England. So... Back in the day, I, I kind of grew up playing rugby union as a kid, got to 16, 17-year-old, always wanted to play league. Uh, and at the time, there was no real youth rugby in the area. Um, and it wasn't until kind of later in, in my 20s when uh, I finished with Keith and Albion and they just kind of started a youth section over there. And uh, yeah. my son turned six and uh, it was one of those, it was a cold, frosty March morning and Said, right, we're going to go play rugby soon. So we went down to Keithley Albion, and uh, bless him, he was terrified. He was stood on the pitch, didn't know what to do, and I had to stand next to him and help him. And <laughs> at the end of the session, the, the coach goes, "You do realise you're now coaching, don't you?" And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, kind of my 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 rugby coaching day started from there with the, with the U system back in Keithley, and uh, I did that for a few years before we moved over here. Um, I was desperate, really, to get going in California, and there was there was nothing. Um, yeah. Reached out to the US ARL, uh, and they were just interested in people plowing money in, and um, I didn't have that, so yeah. you know it kind of had a bit of a death. And we went off and did different things. Some played soccer, and um, and it wasn't until Tom posted something on Facebook a, a couple of months ago about California League, and I liked it, and then. I missed one of those messages that drops into that folder in Facebook where you, you didn't realise you had it for months. And Tom had reached out and said, oh, I saw you're interested. Uh, drop me a line. And, you know, cut forward two or three months and, and lots of conversations later, we're now 
in a position where we're about three weeks away from the first game with the seniors. Uh, and as we've had those conversations, it's like, you know, that that's great, but what's behind it? Um, and there's a definite need to get um, a youth programme going behind it, you know. I kind of use Keithley Albion as a, as a good example. They started life with eight kids up Burgess's field. Um, you know, a couple of parents got together and decided that they were going to start it up. And as you look at them now, they've got um, an ants team that is everybody up to six, eight, uh, six year old. And they've got under sixes through to under 17s, multiple teams at different age groups. And then two open age teams. And, uh, you know, and with that, they've managed to build um, training complex, you know, a small clubhouse, a lot of it funded by the RFL back in England from the community game, you know, and there's been some real good progress from some of the kids coming through their system. They've got four or five who've made it into the professional ranks. We've got a couple that um, switch codes and are representing England. Um, you know, I suppose Ellie Kildome is one. She's uh, she's kind of like the, the main face for England rugby union right now. Uh, and she was one of that first eight that played on that, that cold morning that time. Oh, wow. Um, you know, so it's it's definitely the, the, the future. The, these kids have got to have a pathway and something to go into. So, you know, focus right now is a senior team. But for me, I want to get around the schools and get into, um, you know, some of these communities where uh, they can't afford to, to pay the money that you have to to play for a, a high-level soccer club or, you know, what it would cost to go into American football and all the kit that you've got to buy. So I think there's a big opportunity for us. You know, it's a it's a huge country. We live in a state with what 40 million people. You know, um, and when you look at kind of what we've got open to us, there's probably about 20 million of those. That's a target audience for us. So it's uh, insane when you look at numbers like that. Yeah. yeah. T- tell me, tell me what the plan is. So have you run any sessions yet? Um, and if if so, how's how's that gone? Yeah, so we, we actually had our first session in Long Beach last week and it was it was something we put together fairly short notice and just through social media, um, put it out there and, and we had six kids come for the first session, which I was kind of stoked with. You know, None of those kids had got any rugby league experience uh, and as we talked to them, you know, they'd watched it on TV and, and, and what they didn't realise, they've only ever watched Rugby Union over here. Um, you know, and by the end of the first session, they're playing the ball, they're taking a pass, they're hitting it up against pads, and, and they all left with a big grin on the face. And it's one of those things you don't need a ton of cash to, to play rugby. You know, for us, it was a couple hundred dollars for some balls and pads. Um, you know, and six kids left knowing that there's uh, there's another game out there that they've got access to. So the goal next is is really to get out into the community and you know if i can get groups of six to ten people in different cities i'm willing to jump in my car give up you know afternoons from work or you know weekends to go on and spread the gospel of rugby league you know because i think it's it's a really good opportunity for us uh, to to, kind of pick up where we've we've left off with the seniors I think it's fantastic because we've seen over in the USARL, for example, there are times where clubs have had to fold for seasons at a time because the, the player the player pool sort of dies out. They they age out, they call it. And we haven't seen, because there's such an emphasis on trying to keep that senior level going and as strong as possible, we haven't seen as much emphasis on the junior, junior development over there. 
So the fact that you guys are looking at this like from inception for California Rugby League, I think makes a lot of sense. What, what's the plan? So if you say you're going into communities and schools, you know, are there any plans for the, the, the early California Rugby League clubs to sort of have junior teams as well? Or is it a bit early to be sort of talking about that sort of thing? Well, I think whatever we do, it's it's got to be aligned with however the senior structure pans out. So yeah, I, I think that the main goal is you know six or eight teams throughout the state that are competing at a senior level, um, and, and some form of league next year, and you know maybe a twelve-week competition. What I'd like to have alongside that is wherever there's a senior game, there's a junior game or a couple of junior games. Um, and then the, I suppose the way we've got to go about it is uh, we've got to get into kind of small school groups um, and reach out to the, the, the school districts and, and try and get into their after school programs. Again, as I mentioned earlier, the, a lot of it's down to the, the cost for a lot of these kids, you know, um, to be playing soccer for a, you know, a, a good level club, you can be paying upwards of $2,000 a year. Per, per child so if you've got the kids and it could be four maybe five thousand dollars in mm. and, yeah, and it, we want to make it you know affordable we, we want to be able to buy some kits and, and just have some balls and, and use our own personal time to, to kind of get the basic skills and development going and if we can get some inter-school competitions going in, the, in a region then hopefully from that you might be able to get you know, three or four from each of the different schools that they've all come together and, and, and kind of build uh, a local team. Um, and then that way we can support it. But, you know, and I think the other opportunity is we've got to look at rugby union and, and whether there's opportunities, opportunities for partnerships there because um, a lot of the clubs are established. They've got good youth programs. Um, they only pay, play for part of the year. You know, what's stopping them playing rugby league in their off-season and, and keeping learning, keeping developing the skills? Um, it, you don't have the big rivalry over here like you would in like England and Australia between the two yeah. codes. You know, we, we've got much more competition from American football and, and baseball and basketball and other sports over here. So I, I, I do think at some point we've got to come together and kind of go, how do we take it to the next step? Yeah, and I think that that's what I love most about what's happening in California at the moment. You guys are prepared to do it your way. You know, you're listening to to advice from everyone, I suppose. And Tom often asks advice. I've seen him on Twitter asking for external advice. But at the end of the day, the decision is always a local one. And, yep. you know, who better to make that decision than the guys that are on the ground? I think the money issue that you've raised a couple of times is a great point as well, because at the end of the day, at least we're giving these kids an opportunity to run around and be fit and healthy. And I guess that's the main thing. If they fall in love with the sport and they and they choose to, to develop further as they get older, then that's incredible as well. But goal number one has to be kids having a great time and getting fit. So I think what you guys are doing is absolutely fantastic. Is it just yourself at the moment, Aidy, or is there others that, that, that are on board helping out your cause? So, so right now it's just me. So if there's anybody out there wanting to get involved, drop me a line, more than interested to talk to you. And, and I think that also leads on to, you know, one of the vital things for us as we look at development, and that is building a, a, a basic coaching structure so that other parents can get involved you know, maybe who's got a, a rugby union background 
teach them the basics, teach them the rule sets, and then they can go away into their cities and their, you know, their local clubs uh, and do the same thing because, you know, as I say, it's, it's a big state and I can't get around all of it. Um, so, you know, I, I'm more than happy to start it off, but it's going to need a, a good group of people who are willing to put in some time, you know, and, and really see this through. Uh, and, and we want to be there to guide that and kind of put up the blueprint of what we see as a future for rugby and, and that kids game. That's incredible, mate. I absolutely love what you're doing. I think the the strategy from the ground up, the fact that it's already there, speaks volumes to what you what Tom and the team are up to and what plans you have for California in the future. Final question for you. There's obviously a few clubs starting to pop up in this California rugby league. Have you got a favourite yet? Have you got a have you got have you got a team to support? Are you or is it pretty open at this stage? Yeah, well, right now I'm uh, I'm helping Johnny Manning out coach the LA Mongols. So, you know, I suppose my affinity has definitely got to be with those guys. You know, I think rugby league's the winner no matter what, but the guys down here are pumped up and ready for uh, December the 7th, and I'm, I'm kind of glad to be part of that as well. Some Some really good guys, some good athletes, and some good rugby players in that team. That's fantastic, mate. Thank, thank you for what you're doing, and I might try and catch up with you in 12 months' time and see how things have progressed. Well, hopefully we've got a good news story for you in 12 months' time, so I'm looking forward to it. All right, I've got Matthew Busson, a.k.a. Coach Boss, and he'll be lining up for LA Mongrel on December 7. Coach Boss, how are you, buddy? Yeah, doing well. Doing really well down here in, uh, I would say, sunny San Diego, but it's actually pouring rain right now, which is unfortunate. <laughs> that That is unusual, but, man, I'm sure you've got to get some rain every now and then, so it's probably a good thing. Yeah, but, Man, I'm keen to hear about this game on December 7th. You're obviously lining up for the LA Mongrel. Um, I want to know a little bit about you. So how did you get involved and how did you find out that, you know, rugby league was starting in California? Yeah, uh, great question. Um, so I guess it started, I went to a, a pro combine tryout for the professional rugby union team out here, um, put a post up on Instagram, I believe. And, and I think somehow Tom got a hold of it and saw it and sent me a message and was like, hey, man, I'm, he's like, I see that you play rugby. You ever played rugby league before? And I'm like, man, yeah, I, I grew up in Australia. I grew up in western suburbs of Sydney, um, kind of grew up as a massive um, uh, uh, Bulldogs fan and some of my favorite players like uh, – play for the Balmain Tigers and stuff like that. And so he said, he's like, yeah, we're trying to put together an exhibition game. Like, are you keen to play? And I'm like, man, like, absolutely. Like, yeah, kind of not really knowing what I was getting myself into. Um, yeah. Just kind of thinking, you know, like, oh, you know, it's rugby in America. I've kind of been invited to, you know, come out and play for a few different teams or, or you know, just have a run. Um, and of course, you know, not a lot of people know all that much about rugby over here, but kind of when I got there on the first day, it was like, man, there's some athletes here. Like these guys are, you know, there's some, you know, ex-college uh, football players, some guys that have kind of tried out for the NFL and not quite made it. And, you know, now done other things. Um, a couple guys uh, that have actually played for the MLR over here for a couple seasons. So yeah, I kind of just jumped in and in every practice we've had, you know, things have just kind of kept turning up. And I was like, man, I actually, I need to play. Like I need to practice for this. Um, kind of put myself through a, you know, a, a mini training camp just to get in shape for it. But um, yeah, kind of, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's kind of surreal and a, a bit of a dream come true, to be honest, to see any kind of rugby in America, let alone rugby league as well. That is incredible. I didn't know, firstly, I didn't know you lived in Australia for a little while, so that's cool. And you probably learned yeah. a bit about the game over here. Do you, are you finding that, 
you know, the skill levels vary at training because the boys are coming from all these different backgrounds or are they learn? are they picking it up really quickly? Um, honestly, they're picking it up really quickly. Like we just had a run last Saturday and, and, and was quite surprised at just how smooth it went and guys starting to understand, you know, the, the difference in the defensive schemes and, you know, having the two markers versus, you know, if they played rugby union, you know, going in for the, the scrums and malls and rucks and different things like that. Um, the, and, and I mean, the pace that we play at, even practice at is, is full speed, you know, like I said, these guys are some, you know, athletes and the more they learn the game, they're starting to pick it up really, really quick. And um, I think kind of, you know, fast forward five or six years from now, I really think rugby league, uh, I mean, it has the potential to take off in the U.S. because the gameplay is so similar to American football. You know, the way that you have, you know, six tackles and, and is more similar to having four downs um, and, and just the speed of the game. I think it's it, it has such huge potential over here to take off. So it's been really, really fun and interesting. And like I said, I kind of just, said yes and, and and without realizing what I agreed to um, yeah. and then was just like man like I, I turned 30 in in a month from now and some of these guys you know they're still in their early early 20s like just out of college so they, they've just come up you know from a really really high kind of athletic background um, I haven't technically played rugby league since I was 14 living in Sydney so um, yeah it's gonna it's gonna be a bit of fun but I mean I'm definitely gonna come come to play and do whatever I can for the team I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I guess you might find that because you have that background playing when you were younger, you you have a bit of natural rugby league related skills that some of the other guys might not have. But I understand, yeah, 20, 20 something year olds fresh out of you know, of college, like that would be pretty difficult competition. Are there any names that stand out in, in this LA team that you think, you know, could go somewhere in the future? Uh, absolutely. Um, Ed, Ed Tandy, uh, Mafi, Ezekiel Dunn. I mean, these guys are, they're monsters and, and they can run. I mean, Mafi's 320 pounds and he can step like he's 170 pounds. Um, um, same with Tandy. He was a running back at Cal Berkeley, um, which is a pretty big division one college over here. Um, so he knows how to move. And I mean, honestly, a, a lot of these guys, it really kind of just depends on, you know, what they want to focus on and, and kind of push forward and, and kind of how big this thing kind of blows up to be, you know, whether it turns into a, a full on professional league, kind of like, you know, a few of us have been talking about, like we'd love to see, but, um, just rugby in general over here is just booming, especially with like Sonny Bill Williams coming over, uh, and joining yeah. Toronto. Um, we got Ma'ananu coming over and joining the San Diego, uh, uh, rugby union team so you know it, it, there's a lot of movement happening and, and especially you know today's day and age with social media and things like that you know it's it's so quick to just you know tag five of my friends in a rugby highlight video and they're like man like that sport looks you know it's there's big hits and it's really fast and it's like yeah man like that's why it's cool um so it, it's kind of it's kind of cool I'm, I'm really looking forward to see what happens in 2020 yeah, that's going to be really exciting. What is the plan at the moment? So we keep hearing there could be four or five teams playing in a in a in a short competition over in California next year. Have you got much involvement in that? Do you think you'll be um, taking part? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um uh, definitely trying to help with me moving down to San Diego. Um hoping to get uh, a San Diego team popping as well. Cool. Uh, but it's kind of, I mean, like I said, a couple months ago, like none of this existed. Now we have three teams. Um, you got the L.A. team, the San Francisco team, and they just started the, um, uh, I can't remember, the Immortals out of, I think, Sacramento. Oh, Sacramento talking, Immortals, yeah. yeah. And they're talking about potentially a, a San Jose team, an Oakland team. Uh, and again, hopefully with me being down here in San Diego, we can get a team as well. So, um, yeah, we're looking for at least four to five teams and we can just start, you know, uh, maybe, you know, just more exhibition games and stuff like that, really just to kind of bring more exposure to the 
game and get people to watch it, see what it's about, you know, and kind of fall in love with it as well. And it's a, it's a great thing too. Like I, growing up in Australia, I've always loved all codes of, of, of football, I guess you could say, you know, rugby league, rugby union and American football. So, you know, we're in American, there's 330 million people here. There's no reason why people can't watch, you know, NFL during the NFL season and then watch rugby league in the off season of NFL, you know, they're still going to get their kind of sport and their fix and, and everything like that. So I really think the potential over here can be massive. We always say the population is big enough that even if we carve out a niche, it, it's, it could be big. And it just goes to show, you know, this, this, uh, California sort of concept started off as an exhibition game on December th- 7 in a couple of weeks' time. And all of a sudden, there's, like you say, there could be five or six teams next year, which yeah. is just uh, just the beginning, man. Like, it could be anything. Um, tell us a little bit about, um, before we talk about that game on December 7, tell yeah. us a little bit about what you're doing in San Diego. I understand you've got an MLR contract. Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, uh, by trade, I guess by profession, I'm a professional strength and conditioning coach. Um, way back uh, 10 years ago when I was going to university on the uh, the Sunshine Coast, just north of Brisbane, um, I tried to play, tried to play either rugby league or rugby union. I, I had a shot um, with, they were called the Stingrays at the time. The team doesn't exist anymore, but they were a club feeder team for the Queensland Reds. And, you know, just kind of being 20 years old, I just moved from California uh, back over to Australia to start going to university. Um, and my, my dream's just always been I want to be a pro athlete. And then I got hurt uh, pretty bad, injured my ankle, and that kind of ended any type of career that I was hoping to have. So kind of from then on, I just stuck into coaching and was like, all right, well, if I can't play at the highest level, I want to coach at the highest level. So ever since, I, I've, I've done a, a number of degrees. I, I was halfway through a PhD in biomechanics. Um, I did a number of, uh, of undergraduate studies uh, with the Gold Coast Titans and Brisbane Broncos and cool. was kind of involved in just, you know, any kind of pro sport at any time type of level that I could uh, moved over to the States. Um, I've done some work with a couple different NFL teams, uh, two different division one colleges. Um, and then yeah, got, got picked up um, by an outfit down here in San Diego that provides the strength and conditioning training for the San Diego Legion. So I'm um, also super excited about that. It's kind of like rugby unions now my job and uh, I'm playing rugby league. Whereas 10 years ago, it was the exact opposite. I was doing, I was doing the, the sports science work with the rugby league teams while trying to play rugby union. <laughs> So it's kind of of funny how it's flip-flopped. It's a cool little flip side, and you've got an awesome resume, man, by the sounds of it. And you're going to add to that on December 7 when you run out for the LA Mongrel against San Francisco Savage in that first ever California Rugby League exhibition match. Um, Tell me about it. What do you know about the San Fran side? Do you get to see much footage of those guys, or do you know much about that team at this point? Um, no, honestly, I mean, uh, uh, they've been posting up stuff, but I, I kind of just focus on what we're doing and what we need to worry about. I just, I know a lot of those guys are, are, are big. Um, they definitely look big. I don't know if they're going to be as fit as, as we are. We've kind of been together now for um, uh, about a month and a half longer than they have. I believe their first get together was only a couple weeks ago. So um, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, we've kind of got a, a few more of our, our structures down, down pat and, and a little bit more fitness, um, you know, and kind of some sneaky tricks up our sleeves with a few of our players that can kind of dart in and out. But um, yeah, don't really know too much. And that's just kind of, I, I guess uh, me and my attitude is always, I'm never really worrying too much about the opposition so much as I'm worrying about, you know, what I can control and then what we can control as a team. And, you know, really they need to worry about us more so than we need to worry about what they're doing. Um, but yeah, super excited. It's going to be, it's going to be, a lot of fun <laughs> man and, and you guys had the advantage i think jamie soward ex nrl dragons grand final winner came out for a training session at compton, compton with the boys were you at that one and, and what was that yeah. like 
Absolutely. I mean, that was, again, surreal, just kind of growing up in Western Sydney, never in a million years did I think I'd be in Compton, California, getting coached by Jamie Soward. Uh, um, and I mean, what a phenomenal guy, phenomenal player, um, great coach, you know, just just showing us different things and kind of keeping the team together. And from there, we've, we've taken a lot of those drills that he showed us and worked on it. Um, we also had uh, Frankie Winterstein um, that was with Penrith. I believe he's just oh, gone cool. to a team over in France. He, he came out for a session as well. Um, so yeah, it, 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 it's been awesome, man. I mean, again, just kind of me, I'm, I'm sitting here geeking just like a little school kid all over again, you know, like seeing these players that I grew up watching now coming out and coaching us in, in California. So again, just whatever we can do to bring more exposure to the game. And, um, yeah, especially with what coach 80s doing with the youth development stuff. I think that's unreal. Um, at any, at any opportunity I can, I'll jump in and, and help out the youth stuff. I, I coach kids as well, um, as part of my job. So, um, I love all that part. And again, I'm just kind of really just, just geeking out about all the rugby over here in America right now. It, it's, off. <laughs> it's fantastic times, and I'm sure it's only going to get better. But Matt Busan, aka Coach Boss, man, good luck for December seven and for next season, uh, man. Let me know how it goes, man. Reach out when you when it's all said and done, and maybe send some photos. I'll share them online. Yeah, absolutely. Will do, man. Thank you again. Uh, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate the combo. All right, guys. My next chat. Let's get started. I'm here with all the way from San Francisco, Langi Langi Haupiakui. Have I pronounced that correctly, buddy? Yeah, yeah, you're right. You did better than most people. Mate, tell me, who you're playing for San Francisco Savage. Um, are you excited for the game in the next couple of weeks? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's start, it's starting to get, I'm starting to get more anxious now that the game's around the corner. I think it's less than a week or something like that. We're almost there, man. And how, how did you get yeah. involved in the first place? Did you know about rugby league before all of this started happening? Yeah, I think uh, one of the oh, one of the boys that played rugby union with us had brought it up and told us they were starting a, a little rugby league competition out here in the USA. Do you know much about the LA side or is it just kind of what you see on social media and things like that? Oh, no. We, we played against some of those boys in the rugby union. Like We, we can see majority of them are the guys from Belmont Shore, so... We're kind of familiar with the uh, majority of the faces, but there's some guys on there we don't really know, but we're familiar Interesting. with most of Interesting, them. man. And what's the vibe like at training? Are the guys excited? Is it, does it translate like the skills from union to league? Are they, are they picking it up quickly? How's that going? The guys who are transitioning from union to league, it's, they're picking it up fast, and the rest of us are just following along. Yeah. That's awesome, man. And what's what position do you play? And also, what's your what's your background? What's your heritage? Because uh, your name's hard to pronounce. I'm assuming you're from the Pacific Islands somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I'm from I'm from Tonga. Well, I was Tonga. born and raised in America, but yeah, I'm 100% Tongan. Did you get uh, to see Did you get to see Tonga beat Australia a couple of weeks ago? Oh yeah, man, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah, I got together with some of the rugby boys and watched it at uh, one of the boys' house, and man. Whereas I think we, we didn't even sit down the whole game. We were just on our feet watching it. Man, ne- neither did I, and I'm Australian, but I was backing Tonga, trust me. And I think I'm going to start calling you the American Tamalolo, buddy, because uh, <laughs> it seems like you got all the skills, man. So um, looking forward to watching the live sc- stream on December 7 to see how you go. Have you got any like final words for the for the listeners or for LA Mungrel as a word of warning, maybe? Uh, nah, I don't do it. On this side, we don't do a lot of talking. We just... We want this just for the fans that's going to be watching. It will make it exciting for you guys. It would be one hell of a game. So they won't be, uh, yeah. I don't know. 
Sorry, I'm just lost of words, man. But <laughs> That's so good, man. It's going to be a very game. I'll tell you this. On our side, the boys is ready. I'll tell you that. So we don't do none of that. Awesome, man. I can't, I can't wait to watch. Thank you for struggling through this stri- Skype call with me, but we got there in the end. And, uh, man, good luck on December 7 for San Fran. Yeah, oh, okay. Appreciate it, Michael. All right, guys. I'm on the phone or on the Skype with uh, the founder, the man responsible for California Rugby League, Tom Stevenson. It's good to be speaking to you, mate. Welcome to Chasing Kangaroos. Hey, thank you for having me on. I'm uh, really looking forward to this. Mate, uh, I've been looking forward to it for a while. As you know, we've been planning this uh, California Rugby League takeover episode for quite some time, and then the International Rugby League got in the way. <laughs> so um, it's been postponed. <laughs> it's not, it's but... not a bad thing to get in the way, is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, man, it's good timing because uh, the big game is on probably a week away today as we record this. So San yeah. Fran versus, versus LA, and I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about that. But before we do... Let's get into your origin story. So people obviously hear the, the Aussie accent. You're living in LA. Yeah. What what happened? Tell us how you got there. So I'm actually living in San Francisco. Well, East Bay, I should say, about 20 minutes behind Oakland. So I ended up in the States in 2017. Um, and I say ended up because it was kind of, wasn't too, too well planned. It was sort of midway through the USARL season. I got a message from uh, Christian Freed one morning saying, like, mate, do you want to come over and play? So I showed it to um, to Wrighty, a guy I was working with at that stage. I think you're familiar with him, Adam Wright. Yeah, I met Freedy um, and Wrighty at the Nines earlier this year. They're good guys, really good guys. Yeah, exactly. So they're from my club back home. and I, So I showed it to Wrighty. I'm like, mate, Freedy says, you know, do you want to come out and play in the USARL? And I was like, yeah, well, why not? I've got not much going on here at the moment, you know, just a job and a bit of stuff. So the plan was just to go for three months. And I got to about three days in and I was just like, I love this. So I kind of just stayed on, played another season out there, met my missus in probably the beginning of 2018. And then at the beginning of 2019, she got a job offer out here in California. Um, And it was the middle of, the New York winter, which is brutal. Yeah. So I just said, yeah, let's do it. Got out here. There was no rugby league going on whatsoever. A few guys had created a Facebook page with, you know, like a few people following it and whatnot. So I just sort of got to work on it. And I guess it really started by a text, Matt Walsh, who lives down in LA. And I was like, sort of jokingly like, mate, what do you reckon if we do? LA versus San Francisco. And he just sort of like, you know, that'd be good. We sort of left it for a month or two. That would have been sort of earlier this year. And that thought was kind of with me for a bit. Uh, and then I revisited it with him and I was like, how many players do you think you get? And he's like, oh, it's probably about five or six down here. So every day when I get home from work, I just start, you know, messaging players and seeing who was interested, building some hype. And it's kind of just snowballed. From there to the stage where on December 7, we've got three games going on and we're at the stage now where we're sort of plotting out 2020 to be, I guess, five or six weeks of competition, um, a few nines tournaments in there and uh, a rep side playing. So it's it's moving pretty fast, but uh, I guess, yeah, that's the, that's the origin story. 
it's crazy how that all happened because as you say your discussions oh, yeah, with absolutely. Matty Walsh were it was earlier this year so and you've been building up hype ever since and I get the sense that like I'll t- I hope you don't mind me telling this story or telling like what I first came across you um probably a few months it feels like a few months ago but it was probably earlier this year and you actually reached out and messaged me directly and said hey my name's Tom I'm starting California Rugby League just want to know if you have any thoughts or ideas as to what I should be doing or something along those lines and I remember thinking like wow like what is like I wasn't sure if you were serious i wasn't sure if you just wanted to pick my brains i wasn't sure if you were trying to start a conversation so that i could help you spread the word i just wasn't sure but what i was sure was like that not many people were that sort of progressive or 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 put their foot forward like that and i was kind of impressed by that and then and then a few weeks later i heard you on uh, rugby league in america with nate gladden for the first time and i was really looking like anticipating that because nate told me it was happening and I was looking forward to that interview. But then what happened is you had that interview with Nate and I was a little bit underwhelmed by that interview because a lot, and this was the first one, not the second one you did, the five-hour special, which was great. But the first, <laughs> inter- the first interview you did with Nate, I thought I was underwhelmed because I thought you were saying things like, oh, yeah, I'm not sure where this will go and we'll just see what happens and blah, 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 blah. And it seemed really like it, it didn't seem like the same guy that reached out to me a few weeks before um, to talk, to ask like my opinion and advice, and I just thought, oh, maybe this isn't legit. But I later realised that as it went on and on, that things were building up, and all of a sudden you had sponsors and players and teams and names and jerseys and more and more games. And I thought, this guy's real. He just isn't. Everyone else that is involved with rugby league to me is like all talk and usually no action. But you were the complete opposite. You just sort of, I think, I feel like you had a thousand ideas in your mind. You just were very casual about it all, but you were very hardworking in the background. Like, tell us a little bit about, like, am I right in saying that? Like, what? Yeah, it's sort of like, I think the thousand ideas thing is pretty accurate. Um, and it's sort of like, you can't really, I don't know, it's probably like how you can't really shape it too much because if i was to come out and go okay we're going to be having you know la versus san francisco which we did do but if i was to come out and say that and then we didn't get enough guys in la well then i look like an idiot because i've come out and said this thing without doing the work behind it so i left it really open-ended to be like all right where where are we getting interest for players which thankfully was la also the the San Francisco area and Sacramento. So I just left it really open to see where I guess the natural progression of what's happening here on the ground, you know, like in terms of players and coaches and interest. So I sort of shaped my concepts to, to fit into what I had to work with instead of being like, this is what we're going to do. And then working towards that. And, I think reflecting on it, I'm really happy I did it like that because, yeah. you know, now we're in a position where, well, Sacramento, I've got two teams. San Francisco, I've got two teams. Um, a guy in Santa Rosa called me one day and said, like, I've got a team full of guys out here that want to play. Um, and if I'd, if I'd gone about it in the, I guess, conventional sense, 
I wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't have had that freedom to be able to do that. And I would have sort of left a lot of people out. Yeah. Which isn't really what you want to be doing at the start of something that's, you know, grassroots. So, yeah, that, that's pretty interesting to hear your take on it. I never really thought about yeah. it like that. But it's just, it's just something I thought about over the last few days because when um, we decided we we're going to speak and have this interview, I just thought oh, it just got me to think back. But it's interesting what you say about how these teams are just popping up. And did you – like, so are you – and it's probably a little bit different now, but I'm assuming in the beginning that it was you sort of not cold calling, but you were contacting people that seemed to be interested and yeah. building it up. And now it's a little bit different. Now people are contacting you. Yeah, sort of, I guess. I I, I would say I was cold calling people because I, <laughs> I definitely was, you know, like there was this thing going on out here in the States, which was, you know, like 10 days of rugby or whatever do you remember that that was going on where people would post 10 photos? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. And that was just like the the perfect opportunity to like go scouting because instantly everyone for 10 days is posting 10 photos and then they're tagging 10 friends. So you're just like, oh, you meet this guy and you go on his thing and then you message him. Hey, do you want to play rugby league? No, I've never heard of it. Show him a clip. Are you interested? No, I don't want to play. All right. Then, you you know, you speak to their friend. Hey, do you want to play rugby league? Yeah, I'd love to. I've been waiting for this for months. I'm like, do you know anyone else who wants to play? And it just opens up, you know, like a a wormhole, I guess, of people that have heard about rugby league and wanted to play it for a long time, but never really had the opportunity. Uh, as where, for people, yeah, yeah. Gonzo, where do you get the balls to do that? Are you, have you got a sales background? Is it just your personality? Like, wh where'd that uh, come from? I, I, I don't know. I think if you really you know, like something, you kind of don't attach the fear of failure to it. Yeah. It's more like, I just want to get rugby league going out here. I'm, it's probably likely I'm going to have to live out here. Well, not have to. I'm, I'm excited to live out here for the rest of... <laughs> you, you might as well, you <laughs> gotta, you might as well make it better. Make it better. While yeah, you're exactly. Free, you know, and yeah, if I'm going yeah. to have kids out here in the States, I, I really would like them to be able to experience what I experienced as a, as a kid you know, like with involvement in rugby league, yeah. you know, it was a huge part of my upbringing. And if we can, you know, bolster the, the national side as well along the way and sort of, you know, put this country on the map, well, it'll all be worth it, you know. And then when the time comes and we do have kids, they can, you know, be involved in it. And yeah, I, I guess that's sort of a bit of a driving force behind it. So you don't really, yeah, you don't really, you know, fear people saying no or, because they're going to, yeah. And a lot of people, a lot of people did, a lot of sponsors did as well. So it's just, it's just part of part and parcel of it, I guess. I love how it started, like you on a whim, like you spoke to Freddie, and you're like, yeah, I might as well play. Like ne never a plan, never it was never a plan, never a thought in your mind that you'd be playing rugby league or living in the US. And now yeah, two years, like, now two years later, you're like, oh yeah, planning the kids and planning like all this stuff. Like you've, yeah, it's been, it's. I feel like you've probably grown a lot in two years as a person, and um, it's really cool, yeah. man. And and just back to that social media thing, like I just love how, like I I remember that ten photo challenge, and I was like so annoyed. I was like, oh fuck, not another one of these. But you saw that as an opportunity to to you know, build a competition. And I think that's freaking awesome. And you mentioned, um, you've mentioned teams already. So LA Mongrel, San Fran Savage, Sacramento Immortal, and 
and two teams of each for those last two. Are there yeah. a, a, like like what happens with those two teams? Like, are you thinking divisions? Are you thinking they split off and form their own clubs? Like, what what's what's going to happen there? So again, this is probably this might uh, frustrate you, like when you heard the initial um, one with. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but it, you see, it changes every day, and I'm not going to be sort of like releasing my plan for 2020 right now because I know with the speed that things are going and the momentum, I'll probably limit myself. Yeah, but at this stage today, on the day after Thanksgiving, my thoughts are: we'll run a four-team uh, top-tier competition, and then below that will be a I guess like an opens style competition, which is more of a social, um, a sort of social one. And that the top four teams will be the, you know, the elite level top tier. So I've got a few ideas on how I want to structure the, um, the opens yep. uh, competition, which I don't know if I'll, I probably won't go into depth on that today, but I'm happy to at a later date. Sure, man. Just because it could, it could change and I don't want to, you know, be like, this is what's going to happen. And I, not happen. I actually love that there is a plan. So, yeah, I'm not frustrated at all by that. I wish you could tell us more. Well, um, so even when I did that interview with Nate, there was, yeah. there was a, a plan and it was very similar to this. But it's kind of like you're kind of standing at a, a, a fork in the road. And then if this happens, then you do that. And then if this happens, you do that. You know, you just got to kind of navigate it. And be very in touch with the people here on the ground to see what's going to work and what's not going to work. And a lot but, of things that we've tried yeah. haven't worked. Yeah. Well, what's what's something that you've tried that hasn't worked? Something we tried that hasn't worked? Oh, this is this morning, for example. I've got some hats in from Pakistan. They're rubbish. <laughs> that definitely didn't work. Um, they're... What didn't work as well is we started the LA guys training a month earlier. I probably wouldn't do that again. Um, we trained on the beach with them. I probably wouldn't do that again. There's just a few, you know, a few little things here and there. I'm probably like overly critical because I think. Yeah, but what, yeah, often, why didn't those, why didn't those things work? Is it just burnout or just like. Yeah, what, I think what? because we did this for the first time. We sort of were like, oh, we'll get the LA side picked early so the guys can plan their travel and whatnot. But in the process, we've kind of spread out their lead into it for, I guess, two months. So it's kind of, for one game, it's pretty challenging to keep people um, enthusiastic about it. Uh, But in saying that, over the last, like, month, like, leading up to the game, the LA guys have been incredible. With their yeah. travel, there's guys coming from like Bakersfield, uh, Arizona, New Mexico, um, Colorado. One guy's coming to play the game, and they're all making the journey to training. So, I mean, I, I can't really knock them for that. I think it's probably on me that we should have we should have just blocked it a little closer to the game, not to put as much travel stress on them. So it's just little things like that. It's fun. So, yeah. yeah, it's. It's funny, the, all the San Fran and guys that I spoke to, they see that as an advantage that LA started a month early. They're like, oh, these guys are a month ahead of us. They, they know each other better or they've, they've got the combination. So they kind of see that as an advantage. But it's funny, like mentally, maybe it's not. So I think I'm, I'm trying to figure out who I'm going to support in this game. And I think it's San Fran. 
because I think I tweeted about this and I, I got some backlash, but as a city, I like San Fran more than LA. Sorry, LA. And I'm glad <laughs> we've got listeners there, but I just enjoyed the food in San Fran better, and that's a big thing for me. Um, yeah, San but, Fran's uh, – I live close there, but I, I don't go for either team. So You're not allowed not to. Give, you're not allowed to. Yeah, I'm, I'm not giving you um, – what I – I said this to the uh, the Sacramento guys because they're playing an outside team from Santa Rosa. I, yeah. I told them, I'm like, this is the only game where I can actually go for a team because the team they're versing isn't one that's organized by us. So I told them uh, to gotcha. get out there and get out there and uh, give them a good hiding. I had a few other words in there as well. So, <laughs> so the three games, like, w- tell us. The first game will be at, I believe, what, 11, 11 a.m.? We've yep. got uh, San Francisco development versus Sacramento development. Yep. So we've used the term development. Um, is sort of more, you don't want to really go like B-side or D2. Development's more, I don't know, it sounds more professional, more encouraging, yep. more inclusive. So that'll be the first game at 11. One o'clock, we have the Sacramento Immortal versus Santa Rosa. Um which will be an awesome game. That'll be the top tier Sacramento guys. Yep. And they've got some real talent out there. A few of their guys are actually going to be playing the main game, but will go out there next year to sort of lead the Sacramento side into the top tier. Uh, then the main game, obviously, uh, 3 p.m. I think that's about 9 or 10 Sydney time on the Sunday. If uh, if you're out and about and you want to check it out, mate. Um, yeah, so what's so the... Yeah, that's, is, I'll ask for live stream details later, but I'll definitely be watching that, man. So that's 3 yeah, p.m. Absolutely. Yep. Yep, LA versus San Francisco, which is going to be – it's going to be such an exciting game. I I get, like, butterflies in the stomach thinking about that. More, I get more nervous for that game than I ever did for any game I ever played in my life. That's crazy. There's so much behind it. Like, I think, um, I think it's – like the U- USA rugby league is like something that all rugby league fans and partic- particularly like expansionists like myself or internationalists like myself, we want to see successful. And there's something about California that people are gravitating to. And I'm not just talking about fans. Like I've seen, seen Jamie Soward over there training, you know, LA boys in Compton. I think it was that Frank Winterstein's been over there as well, training with the boys. I've seen interactions yeah. with like Casey and Gavin Badger, like, why are people, like, what is it about California Rugby League that people are just gravitating to and getting behind? Well, like, in all honesty, I think if you put California in front of anything, it's pretty attractive, you know. They don't, yeah. they don't, I'm from Brisbane, I don't really know many songs written about Brisbane, but <laughs> off the top of my head, I can rattle, like, six written about California. Yeah. You know, people don't write songs about it for no reason. It's a pretty unique and special place um i guess australians look at it as a great holiday destination you've got silicon valley here up near san francisco you've got hollywood yeah um it's just i don't know it's a pretty iconic place it's i'm sure like ricky over in new york is experiencing similar things with you know you put new york in front of anything and you'll get a lot of excitement but yeah that's all i can think of mate is there, speaking of Ricky from New York, and we hear about like, and this is a random question, man, but we hear about obviously the New York bid and how, you know, they're going to f- sort of feed players into 
White Plains and Brooklyn and places like that. And it gets me thinking about opportunities like maybe seeing like a California versus New York state of origin style game. Are they the sorts of things going around your head? I'm not saying like, you don't have to confirm or deny, but like, yeah, it, no, absolutely. I will. It, I will say that those next year I wanted versus the USA domestic side with the mm, California side. Mm. And I'm already talking. I've planted the seed with Drew Slover about six months ago <laughs> before we yep. even really had anything going out here. Drew Slover is, he runs the Jacksonville side. Um, I talk pretty regularly with Sean, um, the head coach of the USA side, and I told him I want to do it. Um, the logistics is the, the challenging bit, but I'm pretty confident that we can get the money to get them out here or we can get the money to go over there. Yeah. Uh, so for me, that would be, that's sort of like after this December 7 game, that's my next focus is getting a California side together that can go over there and be very successful. Well, that makes sense because all of a sudden that becomes potentially, you know, a, a, a match that p- selects like your Hawk squad that plays like in the America's cup, uh, cup next year. And you want to give your boys those sorts of opportunities. And like you guys are talking the talk, like everyone I speak to out there is saying, yeah, we're, we're better than the guys on the other side of, of the States. And, you know, that could be true or false. We don't know, but I want to see it. And I'm sure they all want to test themselves as well. But potentially what you're doing is giving, is sort of doubling the player pool for the Hawks, which is a really cool thing. And like, so, and, and people often ask me about, you know, California Rugby League's relationship with USARL. Like, is it friendly? Is it not? Are they together? Are they separate? So, and you've just mentioned you've been talking to a few of the guys over there, but can you tell me a little bit about like, what is that relationship like? I've been talking to individuals out there. I haven't really had any discussions with organizations. Yeah. Because uh, to me, I've when, look, when I first started California Rugby League, I made it a point of calling everyone who who was kind of anyone in um, rugby league in this country. And I sort of thought about it for you know an hour or two, and I just decided, well, it's more advantageous for us if we just stay out here doing our own thing and build our own competition out here. That doesn't mean that I don't have like a massive focus on making the international team as good as possible just at, at that time. And still at this time, it's better for us just to stay out here doing our own thing. I wouldn't say there's any tension at all. Um, I think just on the sheer size of the United States of America, that's an East Coast competition. We're a West Coast competition. It's it just doesn't seem right to me at this stage. And that doesn't mean it won't in the future. I'm happy to do whatever I can to help guys out there. But um, I guess like coming back to that, like California versing the rest, I think for me that's sort of what will get this country excited about rugby league. We, we just missed out on the World Cup, as you're aware. Yep which is pretty disappointing. And I know a lot of the guys out here kind of had that in their mind that that was, would be a possibility for them. So yep. they're, they're quite disappointed. But I think if, you know, we can, if we can put it together a side out here to go and verse a team over there, that's going to get a lot of interest from the rest of the world, which I think will start the, the flame, I guess, and the, the conversation of like, how can we make this country a dominant country again? 
Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I just love, I love the thinking. Like there's definitely some structure to what you're talking about. Like even the things like that you mentioned earlier about um, having your top tier four clubs and then having your development or opens underneath that. It's the type of thinking that they're not doing on the other side of the States, right? Because you've, we've seen, um, and like no disrespect to the USARL or the American National Rugby League before them, but they always seem to have, and you've played over there. Oh, did you play for White Plains? Is that who you played I did. for? Yeah, I did yeah. two seasons there. So, and um, my brother-in-law, Jake, he played for a team called the Washington DC Slayers. And they probably okay. didn't exist when you were playing there, but they existed a few years beforehand. Yeah. And what, what happens over on that side a lot is teams come and go. You know, players get together, they start a team, they play for a few years, and then they sort of age out and they stop playing. And then we saw it happen with, like, the New York Knights this year. We saw trouble with, like, Atlanta Rhinos this year. And that seems to be happening a lot, but what you're effectively doing with your tier system is you're eliminating that. So the, the opens might have teams coming in and out and that's fine because you're going to have guys trying rugby league for the first time and guys trying to get sides together, but you're effectively going to have at least that top four competition, which always picks the best of the best from their regions. That's could always be there and, and never has a reason for, there's never a reason for a club to fold. And I think that's really yeah. good, man. Have, are, are you learning from mistakes of the USARL or are you just simply like <laughs> doing things the American way? Like what's, what's yeah, your thinking a little, a, a little bit of both. That's being conscious of. So what I really found on the East Coast competition is they're, I guess they're governed by the USARL domestic competition, but all of the teams are like, they've got more say than they should. Like, yep. I know there'll be people who don't agree with that, but the teams have got way too much say. And that's sort of counterproductive to the growth of the game. We've got to, we've got to remember, this is a country that's not going to the World Cup. It's, there's no point having infighting in organisations and infighting between teams. Yep. The purpose is to develop the area. If you're Australia, that's how you can behave. But this, this isn't Australia. This is the United States of America. So you've got to think about it you know, to in the reality of what you're dealing with. So what we've done that's pretty different to that is it's we've got like a centralized administration. So the the San Francisco side, the Los Angeles side, the Sacramento side, and the Oakland side are all governed by California Rugby League, all operated by California Rugby League. There's no animosity between those clubs, although they might be on the field, they're all one in the same. They're all yep. trying to develop this country and develop this state. I mean, that's just, to me, seems like the smartest way, I guess, to develop up an area yeah. and save, save yourself from all the drama that exists. And, I've, you know, I've witnessed a lot of it, and it's, it's unfortunate. But, I mean, rugby league's always going to have its fair share of drama, isn't it? But it does, man. And look, we see it everywhere. It's not just the US. Like even here in Australia, um, the the clubs have always come first. And it's sometimes a good thing, sometimes a bad thing. Um, but you know, it 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 doesn't help the game grow and spread, right? So, so for, think about yeah. this, right? If the NRL was to em embrace more of a the NRL comes first approach, yeah, cl clubs in a heartbeat. Wouldn't they? Wouldn't they? Wouldn't be so concerned about going to Perth, 
Exactly. They're, they're thinking about the development of the sport. You know, like they're not just thinking about their club. You want to be thinking like, hey, how can we take on AFL? Which is, that's the real enemy here for rugby league in Australia, you know, and yep. fans, if it was like that and set up in that fashion, they could, you know, tomorrow it could be the Darwin Eels and all the Eels fans would be like, oh, this is awesome. We're going to Darwin. We're growing the game where, you know, I, I just think that the change, the, the thinking behind it could change. I'm not saying it's going to in Australia, but we have the opportunity out here with a blank canvas. Yeah, that's to right. To be able to think about it like that. So that's we, what we have. Do. I've always said that as well here in Australia. And the thing that we have, like, it's always been clubs first. And I think what put emphasis on that was the Super League war. So all of a sudden there were things like people saying things like clubs have to die or clubs have to merge or things like that. And people get very, people get, they're very particular about their clubs or they're like, they, they, they like, I don't, I didn't want to see my club die. You know what I mean? So we come from this culture, you know, 20 years later where it's like merging or relocating or anything like that is a bad thing. And it shouldn't be like, if I was a Cronulla Sharks fan, I would want my team in Perth, making more money, being more successful, being a one town club, growing the game. Um, You know, I'm a Dragons fan and I'm from the St. George side of the merger, but I see that it probably makes more sense for our club to embrace the Illawarra and South Coast region more so than the St. George region, like have our heritage, but, you know, we need to grow and and figure out where we're a bigger fish. And not a lot of fans over here think like that, but you're right. You guys, there is a lot of territorialism. And I know that like a lot of people who live in Sydney who hear that will be like, this guy's off his head, you know, maybe I am whatever, but yeah, yeah. That's that's all well and good, but Australia is going to get to a stage where you can only have so many fans, and mm. they're inside unless they want to be, you know, like the EPL, you know, English Premier League, where there's interest from all around the world. Which maybe they'll get to with the Pacific Islands, mm. but you you got to start tapping into every little bit of that, um, you know, twenty five million people that live there. Anyway, I'm not here to talk about the NRL. <laughs> Do we? I think. Peter Volandis is going to do a great job, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very, um, very diplomatic, mate. And is it so? We've talked about the Jamie Sowards and the and the Badgers of the world. Are you you're getting interest from over here? Are there more people from the NRL side of things that are contacting you or that you're speaking to? to yeah. Like, is the NRL yeah. interested in California? Uh I I don't have any direct contact with anyone in yep. the NRL organization. Um. A lot of people have told me that they're kind of reluctant, which makes sense because yep. if there was to be rugby league out here on a grand scale, it would just dwarf the NRL. Yeah. Like it's, you know, you've been out here, like you've seen how big a yep. bigger place this is. What is it? 425 million or thereabouts. Dude, I've been to college. Million. I've been to college gridiron games with 70,000 people and, I just thought, fuck, <laughs> like imagine yeah, rugby no, league. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think like, you know, in Australia you celebrate, you know, like what is it, 4,000 people that, you know, no, you don't celebrate, like 12,000 say at like Leichhardt is like a, yep. a big deal. Yeah. You go to like high school football and 12,000 is a big deal there. You know, there's, you look at MLS, like they're putting, this is soccer, which is like, Major League Soccer, which isn't even 
I wouldn't say it's even in the top 10 most popular sports in the in uh, the country and their their sides are already getting you know like 80,000 people at games and things like that so there's a lot of potential and I think maybe that's why the NRL would be reluctant to assist somebody who you know if it was to be done at its best could exceed what the NRL is doing it just makes me think though like I don't want the NRL to start something over there because I think it needs to be done the American way. But I, as if I was the NRL, I'd be like thinking about investing in someone that's doing something over there the American way, just so when it does ex- explode, they have a piece of it, and they, you know what I mean. So they want they yeah. have the, it's in their best interest for it to grow and be huge, and and maybe even dwarf the NRL one day. But at least they're a part of all that, and well, like, I just think it. Yeah, sorry. If you put if you put all the the what is it sixteen NRL teams yeah. in the United States, like people would people would still watch it. People watch it for the players. Yeah, and with the way I guess coverage is going these days, like you've got such good coverage of the games, you can sit at home and watch it. I'm not saying they're going to do that, but uh, you know I'd love to see the NRL get involved, but you know that's that's not up to me to decide, unfortunately. Yeah, all good, man. And I think, but I think the way you're doing it is good. And if if it was kind of up to me, I like I like the whole geographic approach that you're taking. And we've spoken about this before, like the old wrestling sort of competitions, yeah. that, you know. And then Vince McMahon coming in and starting the WWF, WWE. I like that. I like that one. I, I just, I just, to me, like if it was up to me, like the the USARL, for example, I would actually split them. And I think Nate Gladden spoke about this as well, but. I'd split them into not like actually properly split them and let them focus on their jig, their locations like New York and, and Florida, and then maybe try and grow out Boston or New England and then like give sh- Chicago more opportunities to grow out their Midwest competition. And you keep hearing about guys from Texas. Like that's what I want to see, you know, get, they should have the same shared ambition at the top at Hawks level, but I want to see all these different California rugby leagues popping up and then eventually, you know, Vince McMahon or Tom Stevenson comes in over the top and says, "Hey, let's let's make let's make this real now." And I, I don't know. Yeah. Do you think do you think that could be something that happens eventually? Is that the way for rugby league in in the states? Oh, mate, I don't have the answer to that. <laughs> I just I don't. But what I will tell you is that American sports fans, they don't put as much, um, I guess, focus on the their national sites like if if i ask you you know name me you know three american teams you know like say for australia for example you've got like the jillaroos the socceroos the kangaroos um i like that you said jillaroos first that's cool (laughs) yeah ladies first um but if, if i'm to do that in the states i can't think of anything that comes to mind but i can name 32 nfl teams what however many hockey teams baseball teams but is that There's because f- is that because Americans play sports that only they're good at? <laughs> like if they played a sport, if they were better at soccer, or if they played rugby league and they played Australia and New Zealand all the time, and were competitive, like it, like at the moment they play baseball, no one else really plays that at their level. They play basketball, you know, no one else is nothing's as big as the NBA. They play American football. And you might have Canadian football, but it's different. And they play hockey. That's probably the only sport that there's. there are other nations that are competitive. 
is it because they're not is it because they just sort of focus on american sport only that they don't have what you're saying like uh, uh, they don't have Most, a passion for their national team yeah a lot of americans think like america's the world and that's kind of cool i think yeah, like yeah. if it's in the america you know backyard that's you know the whole universe is the united states which is kind of cool thinking you know like we're very conscious out in australia of other countries and take more of like a I guess maybe it's like a socialist kind of look on it, but out here it's very much just like the United States is all that matters, yep. which isn't a bad thing. I think it's just if we're going to do something out here, we've got to be very mindful of that. And that's kind of why I don't think it's necessarily bad that at, for the short term that we missed out on the World Cup because it gives us the opportunity to develop internally yep. with our domestic talent. So yeah, it's yep. just it's they just think differently out here with certain things, which is it's like anywhere you go, you know. There's always a different. You say narrative. You some train of thought. You said something really interesting. It's not bad that they missed out on the World Cup necessarily, and I I agree with that because a lot of people have sounded the deaf horn for rugby league in America because of that, or they're saying it's terrible that we need to have US there. It needs to be US presence. It's not a true World Cup. Blah 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 blah. But like, if you're gonna miss out on a World Cup as an American side, now's the time. Cause like realistically 0.001% of people in America even know that rugby league exists. So yes. like, it do, yeah, exactly. So it doesn't even mean a thing really to like to us outside of America. We want it that we want to see it there and see it cause we want to see it grow. But really it hasn't even had, had a blip on the radar, you know? So if you're, but if you're building up something from within and you're getting, you know, Cali versus arrest and other things like that happening. Then all of a sudden people take interest and people learn about this other rugby and all of a sudden then they're playing national, like other national teams. Then I think, yeah, I think it makes so much sense what you're saying. I um, Yeah, it gives us it, a really good chance as well to focus on guys that live here at the moment. Yeah. The domestic guys. You're always going to have, you know, the heritage players. They're always there. But I think, you know, like you should really be having a, de a developmental focus on them. So we look at it, what, 2025 is the next time we'll be looking to get into a World Cup. We'll be qualifying in, what, 2022? Yeah. So guys that are in their first half of their 20s, they're the kind of players we've got to start focusing on, you know, getting them up to, up to scratch for that. And are you guys Which doing, is, what are you guys doing in that sort of development sort of area? I spoke, I speak yeah. to AD Cooney. I've spoken to him and I'll, I'll, he'll be on this episode as well, as you know. So he's starting yeah. from junior level, but tell me, tell me a little bit about what's, what you guys are doing development wise to sort of help rugby league in the USA. Yeah. So I've just started working on something with, I guess like an under 23s California development. It's more sort of. There's a few guys that come from New York that we're going to be working with, a few guys from Chicago, uh, Colorado, uh, New Mexico, and then, yeah, all along California. We've identified about 20 guys who fit into that age bracket. Um, and I've started speaking with a guy over in Australia who's going to come over and um, put on a clinic for those guys and we're just going to sort of monitor them 
um, over that. the next few years. Yeah. With the focus of they're the future of not only California, um, but the, the national side, if we're to compete again. So I don't think there's ever really been a, since I guess the David Nui days, there hasn't really been much of a like focus on developing the, the college talent and the high school talent and even the, even the youth. So it's, you know, it's exciting having guys like 80 involved with, you know, the younger guys. And that's something that we'll probably reap the benefits of in the next it was, decade or so. Speaking to 80 was incredible for me because for some reason, to my knowledge, that sort of thing's never been considered. Not, maybe not considered, but I always feel like over in the States, it's always been, the issue has always been, oh, we don't have enough money to do this or we don't have enough time to do this or we don't have enough people to do this. But none of those things have gotten in your way. <laughs> like, you, 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 I know you've got sponsors on board and things like that, but they're, they're, you're not working with millions of dollars. You know, people are, you've got volunteers like 80 helping you build junior development. You've got guys like people wanting, reaching out, wanting to help out, and you're, you're making the most of these opportunities. And I think your model is a good one. Um, and, it's exciting to hear about these, this development squad and, you know, who knows, like if things go well, those are the guys that could be maybe finding pathways into the NRL system or the super league system. And that's how the national squad grows as well. Like getting guys, you got, we've got Joe Eichner out here at the moment and guys like that. And, you know, if those guys might not make it to the NRL, but at least they're sort of getting knowledge from a country that, was you know has been playing rugby league for over a hundred years and bringing that back home eventually one day. When the first American, like from the, the modern era, like yeah. time now, who yeah. was like say a college footballer and then yeah. gets into rugby league, goes to the NRL, and is successful, that's when the whole conversation changes. That's when it like the floodgates open. So do, until. Does, does the U.S. notice, will they notice a dude from Colorado making it and playing for the South Sydney Rabbitohs? Would the American, general American public pay attention at that point? Uh, I think probably some would, but the, not everyone's going to, obviously, but the, the, yeah. target, like the key people. Like if they're a college athlete and they played, say, D1 football and then they yep. go over to the NRL, and make something of it, that's when that whole community go, oh, hey, what's this? Because there's so many guys that miss out on getting uh, drafted in the NRL who want to be professional athletes. And then they go, so obviously arena football has just folded over the last few days. That's Canadian football, arena football. So once they see, once one person has been the pioneer and people see, oh, wow, I can go live in Australia play this sport and make money doing it, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be pretty happy days for the United States, I think, but just, it's just going to take that one. And I, I think sort of that's what getting that development group together will really sort of start pushing the younger guys because somebody in their thirties, isn't going to be that, that guy, you know, they've got to be getting into Australia straight out of high school or straight out of college straight out of college, I'd say, so um, to really get the the basics and the fundamentals down so they've got five or six years of playing their trade 
in Australia, surrounded by Australians, which is the top the top level rugby league in the world at this stage. Yeah, you and need then, like yeah. a like a Gareth Widdop almost. You know, he's English. He was born over there, but he lived over here most of his life. Or he was, you know, as a teenager, moved over here, came through the storm system, and became the player that he is. Could he have done that if he stayed in England? Maybe not. And I know it's a completely different example, but you know, you you guys have athletes over there. Like your college athletes are insane, like in terms of fitness and strength and speed and agility, agility and all these sorts of things. And I I don't think it would take as much as people think to sort of turn them into rugby league players. Like they might not have some of the natural sort of talent that a guy like Andrew Johns, who grew up the game, had and understand an understanding of the game. But they definitely, you definitely have some good. You know, outside backs that could come yeah. through that college system. You know, middle it, forwards as well. Yeah, you look at I guess, you know, the big bodies that the Melbourne Storm always use, and then the systems where they've got it. You know, very regimented gameplay, where you just slot into the system. You know, I just feel like you could train an American athlete with an American football background. That sort of mentality. You know, you hit the nail on the head. They're not going to be able to. And you're not going to be getting Andrew Johns initially, um, but in saying that, I think you'd be pretty surprised with how quickly some like American playmakers could pick up this game. Yeah, well, there's so many similar, like not similarities in terms of play, but in terms of thinking, like a quarterback and a halfback, they have to think the same way, and they have different methods of getting places. Like obviously, we like throwing the ball forwards or backwards is one major difference, but the thinking is there. And I think an American footballer could transition to rugby league a lot easier than a rugby league player could transition to the NFL, as we've seen with, you know, Valentine Holmes and guys like that. So, I mean, we're not saying things that are groundbreaking, like everyone says stuff like this and it's just, I think it's a matter of time. I think Valentine Holmes could have made it in the NFL. And I think Jared Hayne could have made it in the NFL, but they only tried for a year. Yeah. And I get it. Like your, your clock's ticking away with your career and things like that. You've only got a certain amount of time. But if think about how far they progressed from never playing the sport to then training in the systems. I just feel like with three years, athletes of that caliber, they, they could have transitioned. I but really anyway. thought Valentine was going to go one more year at least. Like I really thought he would, because if it's your, if it is your dream, like these guys say that it is, then fuck, give it more of a go than one year. Yeah, like, like, absolutely. You don't so, really see the benefits of anything. Yeah, yeah, you got to be patient with with all these things, don't you? But anyway, well, ma- well, imagine you said oh, I'm going to try this California rugby league thing for a year, and if it doesn't really go anywhere, then I'm going to stop. Like, w- like what a waste of time. <laughs> Like, but anyway, yeah. completely different story. Tell me, Absolutely. tell me a little bit about. Give your sponsors a plug because I keep seeing Coopers and things like that. Like, how did that all come about? What sort of support are they giving you guys? Like, give them a plug. Like, tell me that story. Okay, so I got onto Coopers probably oh, would it be about three or four months ago. Yeah, and it was actually. The local pub where I go drink on Friday afternoons, there's about six Aussie guys there. And one of the one of the main guys there, Lee, was really instrumental in setting up AFL out here. Yeah. Yeah. So I which I'm so thankful for, you know, I had the opportunity to pick his brain on 
you know, a few things. Obviously, it's not the same, but there's a lot of similarities in what he did 20 years ago and what we're trying to do now. So Coopers is something that I got the idea from him because they are sponsoring the AFL. So through that, I reached out to Coopers, and that's probably my, you know, thousandth company that I reached out to. And then the yeah. first one that we we heard back from, I, I couldn't believe it. You know, when they, they sent me the email, yep, we want to jump on board. Um, they gave us a, you know, a nice, um, a nice check in the mail, I'll say, um, to, you know, help with things like jerseys, training fields, but something as well. We've got to, we've got to pay for all, for the majority of our training fields out here. Like it's, it's not like back home where you've got your, your clubhouse and your field all set up. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to rock up, which is awesome. Like I, I wouldn't change that for a second, but it can get a little costly. So they've really been able to cover us through um, that infant sort of stage to where we are now. And then we've had the local car dealership, uh, Toyota Walnut Creek. They came on board with another check, again, which really helped out. Um, well, so we got Johnny Big, the clothing company. I'm talking with them at the moment. I noticed that we, one today that you've got a few Instagram stories about Johnny yeah, Big, and I'm like, so, I have to ask him about that. <laughs> so two of two of our guys we've hooked them up with like a modeling gig with johnny big because johnny big is trying to make it out here in the u.s yeah this is this is funny like i I never had really done all this kind of like wheeling and dealing so to speak until like necessity until the necessity of it comes and then it's like you know you you kind of go down another rabbit hole of like how to structure these deals and what value we can provide and there's a lot of things I've you know read that I never thought I would you know ever be reading, <laughs> but you know it's it's all for the for the cause you know so. But it's natural, the, the, you know, like you could be going to sorry to interrupt, but you could be going to you, you know Gatorade or something like big companies and go let's try and get money from these guys, but you've actually found you know what sort of value can you give like Johnny Big like that's awesome. It's are they an Australian company? So that's, that's something I was about to get to. With Johnny yeah. Big and Coopers, they're both Australian companies trying to make it out here. Yeah. So for me, that's a pretty easy link. Like, hey, guys, we're exactly like you. We're out here trying to pave the way and make something of it. And for them, that was kind of – it seemed like a bit of a no-brainer for Coopers, I think, that they're like, all right, well, let's try and grow this together. Yeah. Johnny Big, we've – got the initial one and I'm working on some more stuff with them because they launch out here yeah. uh, December 12th, I think it is. Perfect. But yeah. Yeah. There, and there it are make, two it, main ones at this stage. It makes your job easier because like instead of then reaching out to a thousand companies, like as you, as you put it, all of a sudden you're starting to define your potential sponsorship sort of um, personality or type, business type. And you could probably now say, all right, he's 10 companies that look like Coopers or Johnny Big and and approach them and probably get more success and it's just really cool how it's all happening so without guys like that like would it would California Rugby League be doing the things that they're doing oh it's hard to answer yeah <laughs> you know yeah. like I haven't really told many people this but you know we started this I bought caps from China for $300 yeah that was you know the initial investment from myself obviously there's been more you know yeah. later on in the piece i've put a fair bit more towards it but it's just taken the pressure off yeah. me which you know the missus is quite happy about 
That's um, good, man. If the missus <laughs> is happy, that's a good thing. I always yeah, love when people uh, start. <laughs> I always love when people start conversations with. Oh, I haven't really told anyone this, and I'm like, Do you know we're recording a podcast? But anyway, yeah. that's awesome. No, I love I mean, it. It's fine. <laughs> I love I, it. It's just. I I think I hadn't really told anyone that was because I've been so geared towards presenting us as bigger than we are to become yeah. more attractive to yeah. sponsors and to get people talking more. Yeah. Um, so there's a you know a little bit of strategy towards that. I know the people listening to this will know the reality of yeah. this is yeah. just what one dude in his living room started. And is it yeah. just is it you like I, I like following you guys on social no, media? There's so much going on. Like yeah, who's helping you? Tell me, give, give oh, mate, tell me about the others. Amazing, amazing coaches that have you know come on board. So the LA side's got Johnny Manning, who's just a great character and an awesome guy to have involved. So yeah. he's, he's coaching the LA side and Aidy's helping out with him. Um, yeah. Aidy sort of works as a bit of like the manager down there. Yeah. Um, Cause obviously I don't live down there. So he's really sort of keeps that the glue together, which has been awesome. And then up here in Sacramento, we've got um, a Fijian bloke by the name of Tui who's um, coaching them which, you know, he's, again, he played back in the islands um, and he's got a wealth of knowledge. So he, he's come on board there. And then the San Francisco coach um, is Adrian Ferris. So he works as the athletic director at Life West um, in Haywood. And he's come to the table with some, you know, awesome, I guess, connections firstly, because he's lived here and done similar things with rugby union. Um, and also he's got the access to the Life West fields, which he's been incredibly generous with and like letting the um, the San Francisco guys train there. So we've just been really blessed, man, you know, to have great people who are willing to educate the boys in rugby league. So, yeah, I couldn't be happier, to tell you the truth. That's incredible, man. And you mentioned AD a few times. Um I've spoken to obviously players, as you know, for this episode, like Matt Busset from LA and Langi Langi, the American Tam Malolo, as I call him for San Fran. And what <laughs> what, what what I'm noticing, well, eighty with the boys in particular, the players, um, they're American. They have American accents, but they've played like most of the guys. I feel like have played rugby league maybe in Australia, or they've they've lived in Australia for a few years. And come back home, and they, so they've they've experienced rugby league or they've seen rugby league. Is that the case with most of the players, or are they like are there guys that like t- tell us about the mix of players? Like, are there union players that are trying something new? Are they like w- tell me about that? So every team's got like a little bit of a different, I guess, feel to it when it comes to that. I look at the San Francisco side; they're heavy with uh, Polynesian guys. A lot of Tongans in that, a few Fijian guys that have are aware of rugby league or played a little bit in Tonga and haven't had access to it. And you know now they now they do thankfully. So they've been playing local union out here for the last however many years. Um, yeah, Sacramento are very heavy on Fijians who are exposed to it. Obviously, with I guess the Fijian side have been making some waves with rugby league, and I'm. I'm hearing that Fiji is getting becoming more of a rugby league than union place. I don't know how true that is. You probably know more than me. Uh, uh, the, yeah, rugby league is taking over the Pacific. Yeah, and yeah, and then you've got <laughs> the, the silk 
the silk tails that they're called that are coming into the yeah, New South Wales Cup. Yeah, Cavetti silk tails, that's right. And, like, with the wealth of talent in the NRL that are Fiji and with, like, all the flying wingers we've seen over the last, you know, five years or so, there's a real awareness to rugby league from the Fijian community. Even though some of them haven't played it, they've they've watched a lot of it and that's sort cool. of been itching to play it. Los Angeles side comprises of a few more Australians, I'd say, down there. Um, so a lot of expats. Um, who else is there? There's a few footballers. And that should be said for San Francisco as well. A lot of these guys played high-level football back in college and high school. So you've got like a, a mix, but what I'd say is about 85% of them play, 85 to 90% play union out here. Yep. Uh, and do you think that could present an issue in future where, um, like we've seen in the USARL, for example, where like guys from Atlanta have had to fold because of their union commitments? Do you think they can get in the way of each other? Do you think it'll get to a point so, where they'll need to choose? Or how do you see that relationship? Okay, so out here, it's, it's kind of strange. And the union season runs differently depending on what side of the country you're on. So the yep. East Coast union season runs in the fall, which is about September through to November or early December. Yep. And then they do finals in the spring. Whereas yep. the West Coast do this, their season from January through to about June. And then they have a, like a month or two, seven season, and then there's nothing on. So we're f- fitting nicely into that, that down period there. Yep. So a big part of my strategy out here is being not to go to war directly with the union clubs, more as yep. to be like, hey, once you finish 15s and you finish sevens, come play rugby league. We're not overlapping with anything. And it's been, there's not that animosity that you see in, I guess, like um, Commonwealth countries, I'll say, for yeah, term to yeah. time, you know, put a blanket over it. We, they're a lot more open minded. Like rugby is rugby out here, yeah. whether it's yeah. sevens, fifteens, thirteens, or nines. Um, so, yeah, I think we're, it's a pretty unique situation for us that will fit in nicely there. What I would say is, and I've been speaking with Nick Newell a little bit, is that they should move their – the East Coast should move their season to directly compete with Union, yeah. which falls in the fall. I know it'll get cold and and whatnot, but they play in the middle of summer and it's just – it's a bit much. I think as that's well, – yeah, sorry. Can, as well, it gives the opportunity to – get people to come over and play in their competition in their off-season to help develop it. Yeah. I think it needs to, like, I keep hearing, yeah, it's interesting what Nick says because I've had conversations with him about that as well, about changing their, their season on that side. I, I, I appreciate that rugby is rugby over there, but I just see that eventually there's going to be some headbutts, like there always is. And, yeah, I'm just not sure how that goes. And I don't know if you guys have planned for that or have thought about that. I'm sure you have. but Yeah, look, and, I'm working with, right, like, the um, what is it? Adrian Ferris, who's the athletic director at Life West, yeah. and his major yeah. focus out there is on rugby union. That's a rugby union school. And yeah. He's very much aware of the power of working together. Good. 
because these union guys, they train rugby league in the preseason. And it's the way that I've sold it to a lot of the other um, coaches is like, hey, let your guys do this because they're going to come to season in good shape. They're going to have a heavy focus on the defense and you're not going to need to put as much time into a preseason. Yeah. Everyone's conditioned. As you know, there's, there's a lot of running in rugby league compared to rugby union. Yeah. It's, um, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And like I said, I don't know, like I, I live, I've lived in Australia all my life, so I can't get, I'm, I'm starting to wrap my head around it the way you're speaking. So I hope that, I hope that's all good and positive, but I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting there slowly, but, um, all right, awesome. Let's talk a little bit about this game because, uh, you know, there's it's it's coming up very soon. So, what's like what sort of crowd are we expecting? Are tickets still available for people that are that are living on uh, living in Cali, uh, that are listening to this show? And where can people that aren't living in Cali watch the live stream? Yeah, they're good questions. So, I think the game the atmosphere is going to be pretty. Uh, pretty exciting. Like I, I don't really know what what shape it's going to take at this stage, but sort of based on the the local players, yeah, a, a large percentage of them are Tongans and Fijians, and there's a big community out here. So I'm sort of thinking that they're going to be a large number of uh, the crowd, which I've been watching the international season. Yeah. And you have as well, you know, like I hope it just has a little bit of that vibe to it. I, it's really the unknown and the same goes with on the field. Like it's very, it's an unknown, like what's going to happen, how the game's going to go. Uh, it's, yeah, I'm excited for it. Ticket sales have been really encouraging and I guess the closer we get to it, the more that um, they're picking up. So it's not going to be an empty stand, which is always nice. Um, I'd love for it to be a packed house. The reality of it is it's probably not going to be, but yeah, it's a good starting point. Um, so as for the live stream, we're going to have that on Facebook on the California Rugby League one. I think on Saturday, which is tomorrow here, uh, the link will be up. And we'll also post like a bit of information on what the times translate to wherever you are in the world. Okay, beautiful. So, I'll share. Yeah. I'll share that stuff as well, man. And by the time this this by the time this pod comes out, that will have already happened. It sounds like, um, but the game. By the time our listeners are listening to this, the game is on this Saturday slash Sunday, depending on what part of the world you're on. So it's really exciting times, and I just I feel like, you know, you've got your pl- your plans and your strategy for next year, but after this weekend that could all change again because depending on how it's taken and because you're going to start to get to know your fans now as well and who your audience is. And that's yeah. really exciting too. I guess with like social media and things, you get a little bit of a concept of what it's going to look like. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Until, until we're sitting there on uh, December 7th, I, it, yeah, it could take any shape and I, I'm excited for the unknown. I really I love I love on your social media, like again, random question, but especially on Twitter, you you say you're, and I don't know if you're joking or being serious with some of this stuff, but you say things like, "Oh, should we um, should we call tries touchdowns over here?" And like just getting a response from people and seeing what that's all about, like, like how serious are you about things like that? 
oh, like that's just petty marketing from me. <laughs> I love it, man. Because you get because people are talking about it, and yeah, like, that's how we that's how we've got so much traction on Twitter so quickly. Yeah, yeah. is because yeah. of just nonsense, and you know, like I know there's probably people that don't agree with that. Whatever, I don't really care. I'm here trying to promote what we're doing out here, and for me, that's a really quick and easy way without a budget to do it. Something as well as I looked at some of our like analytics, a lot of our jerseys uh, purchases were coming off uh, links on Twitter. So to be more active on Twitter and, you know, even start the discussions about the jerseys, it gets people over to buy them. And that's not some like capitalist mindset. It is a little bit, but the reality of it is we need people to buy those jerseys so that we can pay for people to train. Like it's, well, give, give those jerseys a, a plug. Budget. Give those a plug. Yeah, like, where right. can people buy those? Yeah, absolutely. It's all on our website, California-RL.com. I yep. think, you know, people listening to this, I, I hope they go. And if people have made it this far through the podcast, I hope they go onto our social media and check it out. <laughs> check the I, game out. <laughs> I'm pretty sure most of our listeners have um, seen the jerseys as well. But if they yeah. haven't, just to describe them, like they're very like NFL style numbers on the front, very yeah, clean. Totally. Um, you, there's no chevrons or anything like that. Like it's like we've said in the past in this conversation, like it's you're doing things the American way, and that's had like positive and negative feedback as well. But I think that's all part of it, and that's awesome. Yeah, um, you're not going to keep did, everyone happy. Just feedback Matt, is good. Did Matt Haynes design those? He did. He's a legend. He absolutely, I'll give him, did. We'll give him a plug. I know he's listening. Yeah. Um, but yeah. like, it... I didn't give him much of a brief on the first one, and they've come back like really rugby league, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he's really, <laughs> he's really into American sport as well. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So when I was like, try this, he just like killed it. He did such a good job. I I loved working with him, and I you know I hope we continue to for the uh, he... you know the future. Yeah. He would have loved that brief, I reckon, because he's a big NFL fan. But he does great stuff, and I'm glad. I love seeing him do more and more um, in our little international community because there's, like, every time I, like there's a new jersey, like Italy or US or, or you know, whatever, like it's it's usually Matt Haynes now. Like he's, like, the official International Rugby League jersey designer, which I freaking love. He's a good guy. Mate, um we probably should wrap this up because uh, my kids are about to wake up, I think. So I'm going to have to have some daddy, daddy kid time and you probably have work to do or you, you, you're obviously very busy, but do you want to give, is there any shout outs or mentions or anything you'd like to say? Um, probably Nate Gladden style, you know, rugby league in America podcast style, the last word, I'll give it to you. Like, is there anything you want to say yeah, to wrap this I up? Wanna, what do you always say when you finish your uh, podcast? And then I will have a, you didn't <laughs> I, say I always, them, you didn't say it on the international one. I think you did once. No, I didn't say it on the international one. So I always close it. We always close the show with "fuck you, Nagati," and there's and a story the... behind that. Uh, yeah, so tell me, please. The, <laughs> the story behind that is if you um so back all the way back in episode one. So when I was recording this with my mate Charlie, uh, we started the show together, and my my brother-in-law Jake, who I've mentioned on this show as well, but it was Charlie and I in that first episode, and one of the topics we first spoke about was. So the Toronto Wolfpack used to have a Canadian-born player named Quinn Nagati, um, and we love that guy. We still do, but like he was like for us, it was like, oh, how good is this? There's a Canadian-born player coming through the ranks, and he could, you know, be a symbol for rugby league in Canada. And uh, but 
one of the main topics of that first episode that we recorded over a year ago now, or just over a year, year ago now, um, was that how he left to play rugby union because the Wolfpack weren't really giving him any opportunities. He wasn't making that that run on squad, which means he wasn't getting any game time because there's no like reserve grade or anything like that over there. So he left to play rugby union and uh, that was the story. So we're kind of like saying, oh, you know, hopefully we see him back in league one day and blah, 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 blah. And then my mate Charlie says, yeah, so uh, fuck you, Nagati, at the end of the show. <laughs> like, it's just totally random. Like, or, like and it wasn't meant to be disrespectful. It was just like, you know, tongue-in-cheek, like, come back to rugby league, you, but fuck you, man, you're dead to us kind of thing. You know what? And, I, I uh, always thought it was, like, Italian or something. Like, <laughs> no, I'm not definitely even, I'm not not, even no. kidding. <laughs> no, definitely not. Like, and, but, that, but that's the thing, and it sort of continued, and people were like, I've always said, like, should I stop saying it? And people are like, nah, I keep saying it. Or people ask me what it's all about, and I tell that story. But I don't often tell the story because I'm like, I'll go back and listen to episode one. You'll get it. But, um, but yeah, oh, for, like the interna- for the international pod, we um, obviously, like, I wanted to differentiate that from Chasing Kangaroos as well. So I wanted to have a different feel, which is why I got it. Like, we professionally recorded that in a studio with an editor and we had different music and I had different, like, I just wanted that to be different. I didn't swear in that where I don't mind swearing on this, on Chasing yeah. Kangaroos. So I wanted it to have a different vibe and a different feel. And I think, but yeah, people were like, I, you know, are you still going to say fuck you, Nagati, on the international pod? I'm like, oh, no, probably not. But yeah, yeah, I'm glad Good you like that, man. Mate. Yeah, keep saying it. Don't, don't <laughs> change will. for anyone. What I will say before we uh, wrap it up is if there's anyone listening, who's got any suggestions, ideas, whatever it may be, um, email me through at rugbyleaguecalifornia at gmail.com. I'm always happy to hear what people have got to say. That's about all I'm to say. That's awesome, man. I'm sure you'll get a few. We'll add that in the show notes. Um, Tom, it's been great, man. Like I said, I've also spoken to AD, Matt Boussey, Langi Langi. So we're going to have a few... Um, a few interviews on this episode. It's going to be a long one. It's all about Cali. I don't know if I'm going to have yours first or I don't know what the order is going to be yet, but we'll figure that out. We'll figure that out once I put it all together and release it early next week. But yeah, Tom, hopefully to listening to it, man. Uh, yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad that you're listening and um, I'm sure we're going to have many more conversations both on and off the air in the next, in the years to come. That's for sure. Good no, luck on December 7. And hey, thanks mate, for having uh, me on, mate. Yeah, man. Do you want to say? Do you want to say the close? The close? Oh no, man. It's all you. It's all you. <laughs> In that case, <laughs> fuck you, Nagati. <laughs> <laughs>
he gave me a bunch of ideas. We were chatting about this, chatting about that. And he's like, you know what? I just wanted if you give a little bit of a shout out for the Cali Rugby League stuff. And so I told him, he's like, just whatever you want. And I was like, well, how about this? How about I pour me a liberal glass of whiskey, which I have, drank it. Poured me another liberal glass of whiskey, drinking it. And I told him I would just look for the first time without paying attention before and just do an assessment of some of these guys playing. So I'm a bit tipsy. I'm on the piss, as some people would say. What's the other things you guys would say over there? I don't remember what everybody else would say. But I'm drinking, I'm thinking, and if I'm honest, I'm just going to have some fun. So I'm going to go through some of these. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, eleven. So there's a bunch of players. I don't want to count. Anyways, so we're going to have some fun. I'm looking at these. <laughs> I'm going to just tell you what I think about them. And, uh, yeah, big shout-out to Cali Rugby League. Hopefully I will be a part of this out there, um, making snide remarks, throwing things at people in the stands, like you know, like the big gun thing you like shoot into. The, that sounds terrible. Hopefully they have like a like one of those potato launching things where it shoots t-shirts out. I've always wanted to do that. Tommy, Tommy boy, get one of those. I want to shoot people with t-shirts out of potato guns. All right, that's enough of that, guys. All right, here we go. So first one, Monty Gaddis. Monty Gaddis was actually a host here on the podcast early on, very, very early days. Uh, he was a great guy to have on. He was still over there at Red Star Belgrade at that point, so he's got a little bit of playing time. Uh, homeboy's favorite team is the Cleveland Browns. I'm not going to hold that against them because he's from Cleveland, although it is the Cleveland Browns. I know they got Baker Mayfield. I know they just just bent the New York Jets over, and it was fun to watch, and they got OBJ, and uh, which, by the way, I was at work one day. This was really bad. I was at work one day. We were talking about receivers, and I know shit said something about OBGYN and how good he was, and everybody died laughing, so screw those guys. Anyways, um... Yeah, I know Jarvis Landry, who's actually my favorite of those two receivers. Uh, he is there from the LSU days. But anyways, Monty Gaddis, 27, 5'11", 220. He is always doing... I saw this dude doing like squats, holding bars over his head, and I immediately decided I didn't like him, mainly because that shit looked tough, and I'm not into that. So I'm teasing. Monty knows I love him to death, but yeah. Cleveland, Ohio, coming out to California where the weather will be much better in December. Uh, but he will probably feature, you know, his position says center. I think he did a little second row action as well over at Red Star Belgrade. I think he's a, I think he's a good dude. I think he's actually really cool. So check him out. Uh, first hooker on the scene from California. There's plenty of those out there. If you ever get the chance to go out there, you'll find them. Uh, not that I know anything about them, but they do have a hooker on this team. But this guy has quite possibly the best name, and that is Ziggy Tua. That is a legit ass name. Also, I personally would not want to play against him if he's really six foot, 250 pounds, and 19. That's some bogus shit. I'm not trying to play him. His favorite team is the Oakland Raiders. Um, yeah, bro. I don't really like the Raiders. But I don't hate the Raiders, but I like you. Ziggy Tua right now is my name. Let's see what else we got. Let's move on. You know what? I kind of want to call it early and say Ziggy's going to score. I'm calling it right now. Ziggy Tua is scoring a try. If he's really six foot, 250 pounds, and you're playing hooker, you're an asshole, bro. Like, go play prop. Don't be 19. This is why, Tommy, this is why I'm not playing in your game. I would not play. I would like to play hooker, and I don't want to play hooker against this guy. Uh, Matt Almeida. It says center. It says he's six foot tall, 289 pounds, and he's playing center. 
Holy shit. If this is right, I'm being I'm drafting myself to be a part of the San Francisco team so I don't have There's no way this guy's playing center. His favorite team is the 49ers. Sorry about your luck, bro. Place of birth San Jose, California. Ziggy Tua. Let's just go back to Ziggy. That's a great name. Ooh, shit, I just saw another good name. All right, guys, here we go. Let's get into this. I'm getting another drink. I'm feeling it. Oh, sweet, for the love of God. Isaiah Smith. Isaiah Smith is currently, at, this, at the moment, has the most boring name I've gotten to. No offense, bro. I love you. 6'3", Okay, I like this guy right now. This guy has got rugby league written all over him. I'm not going to do the mathematical equations, divide by three, carry over to the metric system and all the other BS, but playing in the second row, 28, 6'3", 235, born uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, shit, I know this guy. I think I know this guy. I think I've played against this guy. If this is the one, I'm, if this is who I'm thinking of, he looks familiar. If I've played against this guy, he's legit. 63235 he has got skills written all over him if he's who i think he is he's legit here's a great name adonis lee johnson adonis lee johnson place of birth los angeles california 24 years old 61245 uh initial assessment has got nothing to do with his skills Ev- initial assessment is that if you look at the picture of him that my boy tommy sent me he's got four hands He's got four arms. I'm either really drunk or he has four arms. So why wouldn't you want him on your team? He won't let anybody buy him. He'll tackle two people at once, and he'll obviously not drop the ball or he shouldn't, and his name is Adonis. I wish I could pull that name off. Langai, Langai, how... I was doing so good. Langai, Langai, how... Damn it, I messed that up. I don't want to hit this guy. He's the water boy? Six foot, 255 from San Mateo, California. Call himself a water boy. Bro, that's my position. You need to find a new team. I'm the water boy. Also, don't tell him. Matt Walsh, the silver fox, age 25, my ass. 5'11", 180. Favorite team, St. George. All right. St. George of the Water Dragons. And shout out to you. I know who's liking that. Michael Carboni is. Uh, least favorite celebrity is Bernard Tomic. I don't know who that is, but I don't like him either now. Who else? By the way, Matty Walsh is going to carry that Los Angeles team around the field. And if some of these dudes, if if that dude, so Matt, do yourself a favor. At no point should you try to like find a gap on Matt Almeida, who's apparently playing center at six foot two eighty nine. Sweet God Almighty. Noe Perez. All right, so this is what I'll say about Noe Perez. 6'1", 255. Favorite sports team, Tigers of Monterey. I believe that's a soccer team out of Mexico. Good on you, bro. Uh, the Kardashians are your least favorite. Can, you know, good for you for standing up for yourself instead of all those ass bags that like the Kardashians. Uh, and then they started like a fake butt trend to get you cancer. So, yeah. But Noe Perez puts all these pictures of warming up and doing things like that on Instagram. Bro. You have done about 77 drills that I would never want to attempt. So, good on you. All right, here we go. All right, first off, I'm going to tell you this. I saw this guy. I think he was like doing like a quick minute kind of style, like a takeover thing on the Cali Rugby League. He seems like the happiest human being I've ever seen. He just seems so happy. Elijah Chilamembe Povi, I have ruined your name. 
but at six foot five, two hundred and ninety pounds, and twenty years old, playing in the front row, get some of that shit. Uh, try not to kill me when you see me. I apologize, dude. If I ever mess up a name, it's actually not on purpose. I'm, I'm, I always feel really bad if I mess up a name. That's like a legit thing. Uh, but six five, two ninety, age twenty. Get some of that. Go ahead and not run at me ever. What else we got? I think we got some L.A. boys in here. Some San Fran boys. Jovessa Cacao. Look at the size on this dude. Okay, hold on. That dude looks like a straight-up league hero. Age 27, playing center. Let's take a break real quick. What Coach Rucho is going to be out there coaching. I believe he's coaching the San Francisco team because Johnny Manning's coaching the L.A. team. So uh, Coach Rucho is putting himself in for most glorious hair on the day. Um, Sun-kissed by that Florida sunshine. Uh, and then he's going to carry those gorgeous blonde locks down there. Hopefully he'll be fresh off of an ass beaten over the Cook Islands where we qualify for the Rugby League World Cup uh, in 2021. But, Coach, get out there and check these peoples out. Like my boy Javessa, six foot four, looks like a just a beast of a man. And uh, yeah, twenty seven. I like that. Maybe twenty nine at the time of the world. There's a lot of talent out here. That, ladies and gentlemen, you may see. I'm gonna go ahead and call it. At least one of these people will be on the 2021 World Cup squad. Okay, uh, I'm gonna zip through a couple of these real fast. A couple of these guys, Matangai, Tonga, Matangi, Tonga. God damn. See, I can't pull these names off. Place of birth, San Mateo, California, six foot two, playing in the lock. He looks like he's a beast. Michael Hendricks, 6'3", 235, another solid second row style. Athens, Greece? He was born in Athens. I don't know what happened to get to the situation, but that's a great town to say you were born in. Shout out to my man right here, 6'3", 235, looks like he's in good shape. He's got a proper man haircut, 28 years old. The Vikings fan, can't help you there, but... Place of birth, Athens. Bro, if you aren't pulling it on a regular Saturday night, you're doing something wrong. All right, sexiest man in all this right here. Former podcast guest, coach boss, Matt Busan, age 30, says he's going to be playing fullback. Also says he's 7'5". I'm going to go ahead and verify that's incorrect. But that said, he is, uh, I'm assuming, 5'7", 185 pounds. Sunshine Coast Falcon is his favorite football team. Good on you. I like the I like the Falcons out there as well. We got some boys from Hayward, California, Compton, California. Uh, place of birth, obviously, both of them. Uh, we got one of those is Pio Vitava, who was born in Hayward, California, and we've got Mafia Malua Sianoa. Uh, 6'1", 275, 24-year-old front rower, place of birth, Compton, California. Hello, can I get yet another qualified dude for the World Cup? God dang. Oh, here's Big Sexy himself, George Reese, who is from Yonkers, New York. Sport, Other sports, MMA. Bro, I love George Reese, 6'3", 220, age 30. He's, he's my man. I like George put an MMA, you better be ready to punch somebody in the mouth if you say that your favorite sport's MMA. Uh, Michael Rodriguez, Amaro, who else we got? Fataya Vialala. Literally everybody has a better name than Nate Gladden. Shit. I'm coming up with a new name. I'm coming up with a new one before I get out there. David Crowfield, 61205. Born out of Los Angeles, California. This guy born out of Brisbane, Australia. Tom Bruce. He's got two first names. 
Listen up, Mr. Two First Name, 63215, living in Bakersfield, California. You better bring the heat, son. You better come at it hard because if you got two first names, you got to do something special with your life. Danny Thomas, I guess technically that's kind of two first names, 59180, born in London, now living in Los Angeles. Good for you. Way to move up with the weather scene. 24, 5, 9, 180. I like that. This guy's got a good halfback written all over him. One guy that's not on here that I really hope to see uh, in this game, it looks like he's going to be making his way, is um, is uh, one of my guys, Shane from The Roots. Uh, looks like he's going to get down there and play in this game. I think you guys are going to be pleasantly surprised by his skills. I'm really excited. He's going to be my secret weapon. He's going to score a try because there's a lot of big-ass dudes, and he's going to break loose on them. Uh, so let's see what else we got. I'd like to see him play. I don't get to dictate where he plays. But I'd like to see him play at that six. I think he's got a good game for it, good composure, good calm head on his uh, or head on his shoulders, but can also break loose when needed. Akula, I want to say Akuna Matata, but it's not. Akula Uesele. Damn, that's a good name too. Birthplace Tonga lives in Con- Concord, California. Sione, that's a. This is my, one of my favorite names right here. Sione Molatiki and uh, Molatika, six three two fifty, twenty one years old, second rower, living in East Palo Alto, California. Bro, playing in the second row, six three two fifty. Sione, I'm calling it right now. Sione is the second rower of the match. There it is. You heard it right here. Melly uh, Ratu Mai Murray, water boy. They've already got two water boys. I am shit out of luck. 5'11", 210. Edward Tandy. Edward Tandy is so smooth, and so is Ezekiel Dunn, and so is Maze Masoa. They didn't even put stats. They just show a picture of them running. They're just letting you know. They've, they are just running L.A. Mongrels. With a middle finger up is what they've got to be doing because they've got no stats, no age, no favorites, nothing. Just a picture of each of them running forward straight at your face. I like that. All right, there you go. There's my uh, there's my breakdown. There's my guys. Cheers. <laughs>